Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We're live on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. We are not live. Coming to you later as an audio podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. But very exciting news. Finally, the three of us back on a podcast together. Wow. Many, many yeah, it's been a bit. I've been missing Ooh, it. It know? is. We're all in very different places now, emotionally yeah. and physically. Yeah, no shit. But that's all right. That's all right. Pete, it was just your birthday yesterday. Yeah. You got any fun comic book themed gifts? Um, no, no. Uh, someone did uh, have their child uh, draw a picture of me. That was a pretty cool birthday present. Mm, just random child or a child you know? Dorby, Dorby Doodles uh, child uh, drew that. I thought it was a pretty good resemblance of me. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I haven't well, seen if... you in so long. Honestly, I have no idea what you look like. So it's weird. Uh, <laughs> Corbin Doodle's uh, kid can send you a picture, too, so you can never forget what Pete looks yeah. like. You should that's just hold that up, I love honestly, this... the entire podcast. Yeah. I love the open mouth sort of scream you're doing in that uh, rendering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very That's. True pretty awesome do you know what else is awesome is the great guests that we have on the show tonight we got two of them for you all so we're going to bring in one one of our favorite guys to talk to and he has a new project coming out from vault comics in august called hard eyes that is a very cool twisted book ladies and gentlemen dennis hopeless hello hey how's it going fellas yes welcome good to see you again very excited to talk about this book so correct me if i'm wrong it's coming out august 17th from vault comics is that correct yes yeah yeah yeah. we got pushed back a little bit um because of some (laughs) printing issues and such but yeah we're august 17th now so let's get into printing issues everyone's favorite (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this book is great. We're always big fans of your work, uh, but this is a very twisted, very different book. I yeah. there's a lot of twists and turns in the first issue that I don't want to spoil. So how do you how do you pitch it? What's your pitch? It is. It took me the longest time to come up with an elevator pitch because okay. what the book is in the first issue and what it becomes when shit hits the fan later are they're kind of hard to talk about. So the first issue is uh, a little bit like Romeo and Juliet after a Lovecraftian apocalypse. Oh, um, nice! Well done. I, I like that. I like that you say the shit hits the fan later because it feels like the shit is in the fan at the start of this. Like someone bought a fan with shit in it, and That's they're like, "Let gross, me plug this man. in and start it." 
That's a well, horrible that's the, idea. That's the metaphor we're working with. Yeah, yeah well, they, that's a great I, company. You, Go ahead. Pete? Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I don't <laughs> want to nice. insult this uh, man's work. It's it's very creative and, and crazy twists and turns, but comparing it to shit in a fan and then buying a shitty fan, it, I don't want people to get those kind of think that when they're going to the store, they're like, I'm here for the shit fan. Uh, I think it's uh, it's just so much better than that. Oh, yeah, well, the you. thing about the book, it, the art is so gorgeous. Like, Victor Ibanez and I worked on Jean Grey at Marvel a few years ago, and I knew that I wanted to do yes. a creator-owned book with him someday. And him working with Addison Duke, who's our amazing colorist, it is one of the prettiest book that's, books that's ever had my name on it. Like, I'm I'm just uh-huh. thrilled with the artwork. Um, but, yeah, it's it's sort of the story of a kid runs into what he thinks is the girl of his dreams, but it's years after these giant monsters sort of ate society, and he's been hiding underground with his family, and all his family sees is a manic pixie nightmare come to eat them. Uh, and then things kind of go uh, absolutely insane from there. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it definitely in the first issue plays on the whole panic pixie dream girl trope. Uh, what's your take on that? I imagine you don't love it. Yeah, <laughs> we were playing with that on purpose. Um, yeah. She is not what he sees which doesn't necessarily mean she's she's bad. It's just this is a person who his whole life has been being protected since the world fell. He has a very capable family um, who have put a lot of energy into keeping themselves safe and him safe. And uh, their whole life revolves around that. But now he's coming of age. He's, you know, he's mostly grown and he wants a different life for himself. So when he sees someone, a girl is on age, and runs into her on the street, all he sees is, oh, there's someone attractive that I like. There's a life for me. And so I think that's kind of the problem with the Manic Pixie Dream, dream Girl trope to begin with, is it's about what the guy sees and not who the character really is. Um, but I will say that Lupe, the, the girl in this case, is our protagonist, and the book follows her from here on out. Uh, so yeah, the first issue is very much from the perspective of the guy seeing her, and then we shift that as it goes forward. Uh, what is it about the what is it about the the sort of tentacle monster that drew you in? It feels like <laughs> that is is such a it's such a strong choice for your apocalypse. Well, the fun thing about this book is that visually it all comes from Victor. Uh, mm. Victor and I, like I said, we worked together before, and we had always wanted to do a creator-owned book. But right around the time Pencils Down happened, uh, when all my Marvel books got paused and canceled, and there was no work going on. Uh, a lot of creators were just like dealing with early COVID and sitting on our hands. And Victor posted this image of Lupe with like a, a tentacle monster thing, just put it on his social media. And I reached out and I'm like, what is that? That looks amazing. And he's like, oh, I, I don't know. Her name's Lupe. I'm like, what do you want to do a story? <laughs> so we kind of started with the visuals and then built from there. And um, obviously I was in a post-apocalyptic headspace dealing with two kids under six during COVID. Wow. Uh, wow feeling all of that pressure and tension and, and feeling trapped in, you know, trapped in our homes and not knowing if anything was ever going to go back to normal. It all just kind of boiled together into the stew that became hard. So as you're going on, then when you are introducing these monsters, is it still just letting him go with it? Is any of it in the script? How do you work that back and forth? Yeah, I write pretty detailed, um, 
scripts just because I want to put as much of what's in my head onto the page as possible to help the artist. But I always make super clear, especially with people that I've got a working relationship with, I trust you to change any of this that you want. Like, a, like your visual grasp is better than mine. So with Victor, it, it's a lot of back and forth in conversation. I give him exactly what I see, and then he'll often come back and be like, I don't, I don't follow what you're saying here, or I have a different idea, can we do that? So I see the, the book in layouts and thumbnails and all the way through to the end to make sure we're on the same page. He's also extremely detail-oriented. I don't know if you've noticed from the book, but like everything's oh, yeah. an amazing, perfect perspective. And if I ask him to do a cutout, he does it in three quarters so you can see like the pipes underground and all the stuff. Mm. So he makes sure it would all work in the real world as much as possible, which is fun with a monster book. Because um, it is so detailed and rich and it makes it feel, the world of the book feels very three-dimensional and, and terrifying. I love that it came out of you seeing his work. Um, how, how, what was the process like to sort of build the story from that? Was it like he was on board? You're like, all right, let's work this out. Or did you sort of, did the idea come sort of fully formed? Yeah, no, we tossed it back and forth a lot. A lot of the backstory of the book and like what happened to the world and how we got here came from Victor's ideas. Um, and then where we went with it was all like, how I was feeling, what I was dealing with, like this idea that we're all sort of mentally ill in our own way. And when things, when awful wow. things happen to the world that intensifies and we spend a lot of time in our own way and ruining our relationships because this thing that's kind <laughs> of always there in the back of our brains is now throbbing. Uh, I wanted to tell a story about that. I, I didn't want to do the end of the world so much as what is life like? What is love like? What is you know loneliness and longing like after the world ends or changes? Uh, what is it like working with Vault as a publisher? They're amazing. I had never worked. I have a really weird um, creator-owned experience in my career because I did like a book and a half, and then I got a bunch of Marvel work, and it kept me busy forever. And then I did. Well, I've done one creator-owned book really since my Marvel career took off. So when it when I had time to focus on it and started doing this and another book, I didn't really know like I've got a relationship with Image, but who else is out there? And um, I had seen Barbaric was kind of blowing up and doing really well and looked amazing. And then I saw that Alex Pacnadel was going to do a book with them. So I know Alex up to him, and he nothing but positive things to say about Vault. So I reached out to Vault. Fortunately, Adrian, the editor in chief of Vault, uh, is a big fan of my Spider Woman run. So immediately was like, mm -hmm. "Yes, let's do a book together." They're fantastic. Like it's a small company and a relatively new company, but like the way they promote and like the marketing department and the way everybody throws their whole weight of the company behind every project is like, I don't know how the hell they do it. It's really impressive. And it's been really fun to be like a part of that and not just be left alone to market it on my own. Mm. So I'm not great at that. <laughs> so it's been nice to have that team behind me. Plus their books are amazing. Like they, yeah. somebody called them the A24 of comics. And I really feel like mm. that is what they're doing. Yeah. The stuff it, it is only similar in that it's all weird and smart and fantastic. I, I love hearing that. And I do think there's, you know, this is not necessarily for you. Maybe this is more for somebody over at Vault. But I think it's such a crazy time to be starting a new comic book company at this point, yeah. you know, in the with the pandemic, with supply chain issues, with everything else. So you got to stand out somehow. And if you are selling yourself as the A24 of comics, I think that's a smart way of doing it. Yeah, the, just the ability. I agree. Like, it seems like a really insane thing to ever do to try to make money in comic books right. and, and to jump off that cliff. But yeah, I 
they just never stop. Like Adrian is, he seems to be working 24 seven. He's more passionate about all of the books and, and, and the company than, than anybody else I've ever worked with. And it's fun to watch them kind of grow it, like become more of a, of a force in comic books. And, you know, people are, people are taking notice, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, a question about your process. Um, you said you have two kids who are um, young. Maybe they've obviously aged since COVID. Yeah. But um, I am in that same boat. How how do you work? When do you work? What are you doing? You seem healthy. I, I love this question. Justin asks this question of parents on our show all the time, and it's very clearly like, please help. Yeah, no, I'm drowning. I'm drowning here. What are you doing? COVID was impossible. Um, it yeah because well for a variety of reasons like pencils down was really difficult like i was doing a um exo man of war ongoing that our first issue came out and then diamond stopped for six weeks or whatever uh and then i had multiple marvel things lined up that got paused and eventually canceled for various reasons so it was hard from that standpoint but then it's like okay now i got to get other stuff off the ground but my children are here 100 percent of the time um and now we have my girlfriend has a five-year-old that's almost six and my twin boys are almost eight when they're home there's there's no work getting done like it would be unfair (laughs) to her for me to 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 not help with that yeah and also i'm just going to be writing in the basement for like a little while right right like even doing an interview like we have to line that up because like the kids can't be stomping upstairs or whatever um but i'm divorced so my kids are gone half the time which helps a little bit um and School coming back was very helpful. School and summer camp <laughs> allow me to actually uh, make these books. But no, it was extremely challenging to work from home, especially when, you know, they were, my kids were in kindergarten whenever virtual school year happened. And we did about two weeks of that. And then their mom was like, I'm not going to try to make two six-year-olds stare <laughs> at a camera all day. Um, so yeah, it's, it is really very difficult to focus on any creative endeavor when you have little people who want your attention. Yeah. I know that from working with Justin and Pete. So I'm <laughs> hey, oh, hey, I'm Alex Byrne. Oh, there you go. I'm hungry, Alex. Me. <laughs> Not right now. We're in the middle of a show, Justin. Uh, anyway, Dennis, you always, like you said, you had a bunch of projects that got scuttled back then, but I, I assume you have a couple in the works anyway. Other than Heart Eyes, what else is going on right now? My other COVID book, the other book that I've been developing it's not announced yet but it's a crime story about my parents that i'm doing with tyler jenkins and um hillary is doing the um our watercolors so this is like a gorgeous indie crime book based on a real story about my parents from the 80s uh i don't know when the hell that's coming out because it's a comicsology book and you have to finish the whole thing before they even do it so sometime in the future i've got that thing but um and then yeah i'm developing some stuff at dc and talking to a few other publishers. I I really spent the last year and a half focused on these two creator-owned books. And then in the middle of all that, I did a Suicide Squad um, event with Robbie Thompson that ate my entire holiday season this past year (laughs) and knocked everything back a little bit. Um, But no, I'm I'm excited to get back to to some more work for hire next year. Awesome. Well, Heart Um, Eyes is... Oh, go ahead, Justin. One more question. Um, um, You seem to write a, a lot from your personal life. Um, obviously, um, great fodder, great way to um, connect emotionally with everything. Are you sort of are you getting a project and then thinking about uh, connecting with it through your your own experience, or are you do you have like a sort of that thing of like oh, I want to do a book about uh, having uh, having kids in COVID or uh, about your the story from your 
um, your parents? Like, I, how, how do you sort of bring stuff to the personal level? It comes from, I always try to put it in there, something relatable to me, so there's a reason I'm the one writing it. Uh, that's the best note I ever got from an editor, is that lots of people pitch RoboCop meets Goonies, or like two things you love smashed yeah. together. But why are you the person Pete loving that? it? Right? <laughs> Sounds but great. You see, just oh, lit, up. Me on. lit up. <laughs> but why are you the person to write that? And how is that different from the 10 other things that are similar that we got? And that's always what my brain does eventually in the execution. Now I try to do it earlier in the process. So certain things, like I have a book that's based on my teenage experience that just came from that. But Spider-Woman, I didn't intend to make her a mom at the time whenever I was having kids. Yeah. for the first time. It just made sense with the story as we were going. Um, it is always really important to me because especially on superhero books, you get to write, you get to where you're just kind of going through the motions and writing the tropes. If there's not some human thing that you want to say, that's not just well, Peter Parker's late again and disappointing people. You know, like, <laughs> We've all seen that yeah. a thousand times. Um, and so I try to tie it in there. Sometimes it doesn't like sometimes it's a little too personal. It's problematic. Like I did a um, cloak and dagger run that's sort of about my divorce, and it turns out that maybe that was too soon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's good to relate to the characters in a real human way for me, at least. It, it makes the stories have more depth and, and dimension. Awesome. Dennis, Hard Eyes is great. Love the book. Yeah, Very excited right. to see what happens next after that first issue, which obviously people have not seen for a while. So I'll wait even longer for issue two. But great stuff. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Love Dennis. your work, Dennis. Like, truly, it feels that person. Well, he's gone now. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you'll never but get what to I was going to say him. is I, I, yeah. I asked that question about the personal connection because I feel it in Dennis's work. And I really appreciate that because I think it is a, it's such a differentiator, especially in the superhero. Uh, books that that he does and that everyone's doing like you really feel that yeah absolutely and once again just to plug it heart eyes from vault comics coming Man. out august 17th hell of a first issue hell of a first issue gorgeous like folks on the live show saw those pages are awesome and they only get better Man, from good. there why don't we bring in our second guest another great guy to talk to he is the writer of oni presses blink which comes yeah. out tomorrow and it is also messed up in a very different way. Ladies and gentlemen, Christopher Sabella. Hello. Hey, well, How are you? Hey. How's it going? Good to see you. Excited to talk about this book. Uh, this is, like I was saying, pretty... Oh, there's one of Justin's kids. Uh, this is a pretty messed up book, but very fun to read. You always seem to have, with your books, like these very specific pitch, very specific, like tone ideas almost i feel like i take away from them uh, what do you start with do you start with like the pitch line the tone feeling of the book where do you go um <clears throat> this one was it's a it's an outlier because it's maybe the second or third pitch for comics i ever came up with so oh, it's wow. okay i mean it's 11 years old at this point um and it's a thing i'd sort of given up on ever becoming a real book um huh. So uh, w with this one, it was very much, I don't know. I mean, I, it, I guess it was sort of a tone thing. Like, I, I mean, I, all of it was kind of driven by me wanting to, I, I'm obsessed with found footage horror movies. Um, oh, that makes sense. So, yeah, I was trying, you know, I wanted to do something near it 
you can't do a one for one like it's just impossible or you make the most boring comic ever <laughs> um so yeah i don't this one was very much like idea first uh and then you know over the years i would come back to it and poke at it um and then it wasn't really until I don't know, like uh, three years ago or so, I really like sat down with it and tore it apart and put it back together again because uh, I really cause, because I knew Hayden was becoming free, so uh, I figured I better get to work on this. Um, so yeah, this one's a lot more convoluted than most of my other books. One of the things I have to imagine is hardest about doing a found footage comic book is, and I don't know if this is a surprise to you, uh, comics are not footage. So how how did you sort of crack that nut when you were approaching the book? Uh, basically by giving up on the, the, the core notion of doing a found footage comic. Like, okay. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just had to let that go because there's only the the only way you could really do it and i i've actually talked to and to a couple artists about this is is by releasing a comic that's like hey we found this comic you know underneath a burned cabin in the woods mm -hmm. um and we have cleaned it up and now we're putting it out to the public um that's really the only way you can do it so i really made it more about like the things that i love about found footage and about horror in general i mean a lot of this stuff is uh derived from stuff that I, like scares me or that you know has been haunting me most of my life so if nothing else i i tend to use books as a way of like trying to exercise these things from my head um so so yeah the the found footage you know there we definitely still have moments of it in there and a lot of it is very epistolary where it's you know uh, the narration is like these newsletters that our main character is writing to like her Patreon supporters and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I did my best to sort of weave it in. Uh, but yeah, ultimately I just had to, to sacrifice that dream. Well, I, it, your details really pay off. I mean, we read a lot of comics and I was really just impressed with not only the, uh, the pace of this, but also like the fonts you use, the different kind of uh, visual cues this is a really creative, fantastically put together book. Uh, and it also gets you. I mean, I jumped uh, at one nice. panel. It, uh, it grabs you, man. This is just, uh, this is really impressive. So I just want to say congrats. Yeah, I mean, just to jump on that, it feels like that nightmare logic. Like it really, the imagery and like the way, like as Pete's saying, the pacing, like, it's it, it it's stuck in my brain in a way that is not true of a lot of yeah. comics. Yeah, so you're changed I'm, after you. I'm read fucked this. up. I, what I'm saying is I'm fucked <laughs> up. I'm, uh, thank that's you, and please help me. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's uh, that's the best thing I could have ever heard. So I'm glad I fucked you up. <laughs> uh, I do think uh, one of the two touch points that I kind of got here, and I don't know if this is getting too much into spoilers, but it kind of felt like I don't know if you saw the show on Netflix, Archive eighty one, a little bit. Yeah, it's a little I, bit like I that. watched the yeah yeah I watched the first couple episodes and then I dropped out, but uh, yeah. but yeah, like uh, you know, yeah, I, I knew that you know, I don't know, so much of this book is 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 really about like what Hayden does with mm -hmm. what I'm giving them. Um, and like this first issue, you know, there's definitely moments where it looks crazy, but you know, we're just start, 
I've, I already have the first four issues um, and things just get wilder and more insane. So, Oh man. So well, like, it, Oh yeah, go ahead. All I was going to say was just jumping off of what you said about it's letting <clears throat> Hayden do what you give to them. What, what do you give to them then? Like what, what is that back yeah. and forth? Like, uh, I basically, I just give them a normal script you know, uh, like, here's how I see things, you know, here's the dialogue, um, wow, a lot of it. leaning into, you know, emotional feelings, uh, for each scene, but otherwise, you know, Hayden and I have worked together. We did a book at Aftershock called Cold War, another creator owned book. Um, and you know, I, I knew from working with them on that, that the best thing I could do is just stay out of Hayden's way and just let them let them do whatever, uh, you know, I've probably given them, you know, four or five notes total, uh, mm -hmm. over the whole, oh, wow. and, and a lot of it was just really, really minor inconsequential stuff. Uh, yeah, I just have complete faith in Hayden that they will, I don't, it's, they're just kind of amazing and they're ridiculously young too. So like, you know, they, they still have so much they're just going to keep leveling up so i i yeah my my goal was just like here's everything you need to know uh here's all the emotional stuff you need to know and then i will just back away and you send in you know basically like once the inks come in then i i will look at it uh and yeah it's always better than whatever i gave them wow uh, what is it about this sort of technology uh part of our lives and the <clears throat> Uh, and the border between that and sort of the rest of our lives that really appeals to you and that you're bringing here in that tense, horrifying way that is fucking me up as I speak into a computer right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's, you know, I've, I've described this book to some people as surveillance horror. Um, and it's really Truth. like, you know, it's when I first came up with this idea, you know, 11 years ago, it wasn't, it was you know, that was, I think, like the advent of things, like really starting to ramp up. And now it's just so completely normal. Oh, so um, you knew you said you were like, this is coming. Let me just write yes, it down. Yes, I, <laughs> I am a futurist. I can see the future. And yet I choose not to make make money off of it. I choose to <laughs> ignore that gift and just write comic books. Well, I appreciate that. It's a smart move. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, technology, you know, just sort of keeps turning along and you know it's it's the frog in the water you know we're we're all just slowly you know nobody looks around and says like wow everything's changed so suddenly it's like no we you know this has been happening since the moment we all started carrying computers in our pockets um and you know getting used to like cctv everywhere and you know social media is even greater now so um you know I, i'm not like anti-technology i'm just i always tend to see like what's the worst thing that anybody could do with it hmm. uh, yeah. now I, I did want to ask not to take a abrupt conversational turn but you've done a bunch of books at oni press now including this one and obviously there's sure. been a bunch of changes behind the scenes yeah is that anything that you feel like has affected you as a creator at all yet or are you just trucking along and doing your books at this point um i mean it's it's freaked me out a bit um you know i still 
I still know about as much as anyone else out there. Um, maybe a little bit more, but uh, um, yeah, ultimately I can't let it, you know, really sort of get in the way. Really, all I have left is this final issue <clears throat> of Blink, which I've been writing. Um, so, I mean, that definitely kind of, you know, I was getting ready to like talk to my editor about the final issue and then uh and then my editor wasn't there anymore mm. um oh, so man. uh <laughs> it's like oh okay um so yeah it's it's uh it's disquieting it's um you know like i'm it's a bummer like you know because i've yeah. i've been for you know only was the first publisher that really like gave me a chance to pitch something uh -huh. Um, awesome. and you know, James and Charlie and Jasmine and Alex Segura and Henry, uh, you know, they're all friends of mine and it's just like, you know, they're all getting tossed out and nobody knows why. I mean, I'm, yeah. everybody has guesses why, but like nothing solid has been stated. So yeah, it definitely freaks me out, but ultimately <clears throat> I can't let it, you know, we've come this far on the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I just have to stick the landing um and then and then i'll you know do all my my panicking after that <laughs> yeah I, I think that's the important part and I, that was not to put you on the spot or anything like that I no think, no yeah that's my fine cons my concern there is just you're starting a great book of course you want to end the great book and then <laughs> yeah the uh, is also and i think we kind of will work. like i haven't gotten any indication that there's going to be that they're like shutting it down or whatever so um, you know, hopefully, yeah, they let us finish it. And if not, then, you know, we'll figure out somewhere where we can finish it. Um, yeah. Real quick, just to uh, uh, put it out there for the listener, like um, uh, uh, Christopher has a sleeping dog next to him that is the most placid, restful sleep I've seen in years. <laughs> like, I'm jealous of uh, – can you tell us um, – this dog's it's very name. hot here, so yeah, <laughs> uh, it's more of a stupor than sleep. Uh, I dream of a stupor. <laughs> I would love uh, a stupor. But what is your what's your dog's name? If you don't mind, uh, Zola. Oh, so well. yeah, she's always much more interesting to look at uh, on a visual <laughs> podcast. I love own. that you're literally splitting screen like it's you yeah. on half the screen, and Zola's literally filling the other half. It's a if I could like not be on the screen at all, I'd be a. <laughs> Okay You're doing great. You're Fuck, amazing. Don't Zola worry about it. <laughs> you should do that. Pete has a picture of himself that he likes to put up instead of his face. Pete, you got that? You can just show that yeah. off. There we go. He puts that up whenever he yeah. feels uncomfortable. That's like his dog. That's his Zola. That's his yeah, yeah. safety. Uh, I, I just wanted to mention another book that you wrote that I absolutely loved, uh, and I believe this was Sony as well. Was Dirtbag Rapture? Uh, yeah. That oh I yeah, oh, we love that book. So much fun, so creative for anybody who didn't check out. It's basically, tell me if I'm describing it wrong, but it's basically a lady whose brain is a hotel for ghosts and she gets wrapped up in sort of very apocalyptic end of the world stakes between angels and demons and things. Uh, not only was that book super fun, but I just love how it oh, ramped yeah. up so exponentially over the course of the run. Um, right. Are there are there any more plans to do anything in that world, or do you feel like you told the story you needed to tell? Uh, I mean, we definitely told the story we needed to tell, but I, I have more ideas. Um, yeah. I, I just, yeah, I have this whole, this idea I got stuck on about uh, occult Ikea. 
It's an Ikea uh, store, but it. just for occult items. And there's only one in the world. Um, so, so yeah, I'll still have, like, I mean, the nice thing about Dirtbag Rapture is, like, we could keep it going, you know, for a while and just do, like, but I, I'm kind of cool. You know, I would love to go back, but also I'm, I'm happy that we got to tell the complete story. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm always kind of torn on stuff like that because, like, the, the moment I finish a book, I'm, like, I'm off to the next one. And, I'm mm-hmm. you yeah. know, sometimes I'm working on three or four different books at the same time. So and I, I'm always, I don't know, uh, a little reticent about, like, going back to something that's done. Mm-hmm. Um because there's so much that I have undone. Um, but I, I've talked to Kendall about it and about some of my ideas, and he seems into it. So I would love to go back at some point. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those nebulous, like, maybe projects down the road. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds yeah. like uh, you're a, a creative engine where um, it's – because that's what I love about a Dirtbag Rapture is, like, yeah uh, – she's a hotel for ghosts and it's like i feel like that you're just like no that's what we're that's point a yeah that's so if, you have, if you have like a dozen other ideas like that you're like no nah, i'm not gonna go back to that one i've got a i've got going i'm moving here yeah I, I always just like feel like you know uh everybody's time is limited uh especially like the last couple of years have have made me like realize like uh like uh how easily i can get derailed by the world Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm very much into like, all right, let's tackle the next thing, and then the thing after that, and like, then if I have energy after I get those done, then I'll I'll circle back to some of this other stuff. But I try not to. Also, it's you know, uh, since it is with Oni, I don't even know how all the, all that shakes out. So, right. uh, yeah, it's I, I always tend to be onwards and upwards, and just kind of leave my my stories there for whoever wants to find them and enjoy them. And then if enough of them badger me, then I'll, I'll think about going back. Yeah. So I got uh, like three votes already. So that's pretty good. Yes. Yes. yes, we are yes. Definitely enjoying them so far. Blink is also great. I can't wait yeah, to congratulations. check it out. Thanks. Christopher, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure chatting. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Take Get care that super all... going. Enjoy that super life. All right, there we go. Once again, the book is called Blink. It is out from Oni Press tomorrow as we are taking Oh, got to top that. It is really good. Very yeah. good. Yeah, very good. So check that out. And now we're going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It is your audience questions. <laughs> and in audience you. questions, all you got to do is drop a question and ask a question or over in the comments on YouTube and we'll get to it. But first, what you drinking? What you what you checking out, Pete? Looks like you're maybe you're having some of the old, good old Gatorade with no vodka this week. Yeah, I'm uh, still recovering from the COVID that I got that fucked my shit up. So um, I'm you know just uh, drinking uh, the electrolytes, trying to piece myself back together. Nice. Uh, what about uh, you, Justin? What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking, um, I got a glass of Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc kicking here. Mm, the um, damn. nice white wine for some summer living. And then, don't you know, I have getting frosty right next door. The champagne and beers. Uh, ready for the second on. half of this show. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pop it. You're going to hear the... 
right when I'm oh, ready to have it. The champagne so right there. Nice. That's that champagne. Uh, so I don't have it anymore because I finished it off. But uh, shout out to Straight Bullet, aka Straight Macris, aka CBC Chef, who unfortunately is also down for the count this week. So not having the drink with us, but he did curate from the Gotham Cocktail book, Talons Out, which is a little bit of rum, some curacao, yes. lime juice, a top off with soda. You sprinkle it with some nutmeg. Um, pretty good. Not too much uh, what, nutmeg. What, like, not what aren't I nutmeg. sprinkling with nutmeg right now? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm covered in nutmeg. Yeah. I love I'll tell this you what. Stuff. Here's my hot tip if you make this one. Leave out the soda. I felt that I had a second yeah, smaller stuff, one. That's boring. It's Come boring. On. I don't like all that I'll non-alcohol. Leave out the also leave out the lime juice and the curacao and just drink a big glass of rum. That's what I Yeah, like. that's how you get down. The <laughs> sipping rums, says Alex. Exactly. All right. Why don't we move on to some questions here? We've got one from Eduardo. Any thoughts about San Diego Comic-Con? Any memories of when you guys last attended the con? That was so... I'm going to challenge you. Some memories that we haven't mentioned incessantly over the past day. Yeah, all we do is repeat our shit. (laughs) Uh, Oh, the King of San Diego slash Pete getting high with Kyle Baker? Yeah, we've covered those memories. Yes, we've covered those. Uh, I'll throw out... This is one that... uh, I'll throw out two specific memories. Uh, Justin, it was you, me, and Gabrus, right? Hosting a panel outside on the lawn. Was that... It was the three of us, right? What was that panel, by the way? I don't know. It was some, it wasn't like the adult swim stage or something like that. It was some stage and we got asked to do a panel there, but it was outside. It was, I think the Sunday of Comic-Con. I honestly don't even remember who was on the panel or anything like that. All apologies to the guests, but I just remember like it being very different from doing obviously a paddle inside with the wind coming off the bay and everything. Well, and it had it had a little bit of that like sort of outdoor summer festival vibe. It was the mm-hmm. same stage that I think um, Kevin Smith had done his Fat Man on Batman show, with it, which we uh. walked past to sort of be like, "Oh, that's where we're going to be." Um, but yeah, I mean, those random panels are very fun. Yes. I think I don't know if I told this story or not, but. Um... One of my favorite San Diego moments was I was standing in line. It was something for Star Wars. And it was me and this uh, very nice uh, lady standing there in this giant line. And we're at the end. And, uh, you know, we're kind of small talking like, oh, yeah, have you been here before? That kind of stuff. And then uh, just as we're kind of like wrapping up talking, my friend and her son run over at the same time and they both bought lightsabers and my friend is like 30 plus and this kid is like 10 and they both have the hugest smiles on their face and they're just like look what we got and it was just like the the funniest kind of like moment and uh what was cool was later we went to this like hoity-toity uh, uh beach party and like all these people were drinking wine on the beach and like oh how was the san diego comic-con and we were like, we got a lightsaber and watched like as everybody put their wine down and picked up a lightsaber and turned into a little kid. It was just so magical. Oh, that's very nice. That's really sweet. The couple I would shout out, I guess, I mean, and we probably have talked about this, but maybe not in a while. Um, our first big panel we did at San Diego uh, where we had Hard and Firm with Chris Hardwick uh, on on the show. And we we had a lot of people there, but we were in a huge hall. And um, the panel after us was the uh, Buffy sing along, 
and uh, someone was like, do you guys want to open up um, the, let the Buffy fans in? And we were like, hell yeah, we do. And it filled up and we ended up doing a show for like a thousand people, I want to say. Yeah, something like uh, that. Something like that. And they all were like into it. We uh, did our bits. Every It was like a really fun moment where a crowd of people who happened to be there to see us really got on board and that was exciting. Yeah, that was super, super fun. Uh, talking about this year, obviously we didn't go, but my impression from the outside is it felt like for the most part, it's San Diego kind of like didn't miss a beat, which I was very surprised about. I thought it was going to be knocked down a little bit from going virtual for a couple of years, but it seemed like the studios really wanted to come back, you know, and that's yeah. sort of the big thing with San Diego. So you did have all these big outdoor activations. I don't think it was the madhouse of news that it has been in previous years, pre-COVID. But uh, the Marvel Hall H panel obviously dominated. It seemed like the WB stuff went well. It seemed like there was a bunch of fun comics announcements as well. Um, so that's good. I don't know. Um, yeah, it I'm seemed, glad everybody agreed. had a nice time. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of great uh, news came out, and uh, I'm excited to talk about it. It definitely felt like the Marvel stuff really built everything up and ended up being like the tent pole that everything else mm-hmm. fell under, which isn't always what happens. It feels like there are multiple. I think I, we can get into this later, but it feel odd that like there was just no other like DC or other. Dude, are we thing. talking about the black Adam shit drop? That was bananas. Uh, I don't know if yeah. you saw the Marvel <laughs> stuff, but nah, I think it slightly overshadowed our guy. Well, I, uh, black I, Adam. It's not like nothing happened from DC. There was some stuff. I mean, they, yeah, they, they backed name one other bit. thing. They name backed one off. other thing. Yeah, what was the one other thing that came out, Pete? Besides uh, black D- DC Super Pets? Mm, nope. They did. That's, the, they, that's literally they showed off out. the first Shazam trailer. That was the other yeah. thing that happened. So they showed off those two things. It does feel like they. Uh, Straight Bullet is mentioning Harley Quinn. Yeah, there was other DC stuff that happened, but in terms of the WB panel, it was really only those two things. And I think they were aware, like, they're obviously having huge troubles with Ezra Miller and The Flash. They could have done something where they brought out Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck, I guess, to be like, two Batmans in The Flash movie. But I don't even think they know how to talk about that yet. They've got all the stuff that was going to HBO Max, was not... But with the merger and everything going on, yeah, their company the scenes, just got bought. Like it's a exactly. it's a chaotic time over there. It just felt like they seeded ground in a way that you don't usually see. Um, I think in their team where they were like, you know what, we lost this one. You take <laughs> yeah. that W, and we'll see you next year. And say so like, oh, that's a not a great look in general. Yeah. But we'll see. They're obviously in a huge amount of turmoil. People are actually losing their jobs and getting fired and everything. So horrifying. Yeah. There you go. Not a great time uh, to be under that umbrella, which is an umbrella I am currently under. Who brought Warner Brothers? Uh, who bought Warner Brothers? Says Straight Bullet, and it's Discovery. Discovery. Yes, oh. as you might expect, Discovery Channel bought Warner Brothers, not the other sense. way around. That's the main thing. Yeah, you think that's what everybody wanted? They wanted, um, like, imagine Aquaman hosting a food show. Let's just think of it. Or I, I was going to say, like, you know, a Shark Week or something. You know what I mean? That would be cool. Yeah. This is uh, from Stray Bullet. You get three wishes, and the only rule is that you can't wish for more wishes. What are your wishes? I can't do the Punisher quiz today. Sorry, Alex. Oh. No, thank Too you. Bad. Thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, so you get three wishes. You can't vo- uh, vote. You can't wish for free. More. You, no, vote. you know what he said. 
I gotta pull a Warner Brothers and take the L on this one. <laughs> yeah, nice, great. He's seated ground. Yeah. Three wishes, no more wishes. Poof. Um, I mean, let me. I'm gonna go with a couple basics. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Immortality. Ah, uh, boo. Yeah. For me and the fam. Let's shout well, out. Well, quick question. Uh, oh, you have two more wishes, so I want to see if I can get you. But. Mm. Well, are you going to do immortality, but not uh, eternal youth? Because in Greek mythology, that's how we got grasshoppers. What? What? Do you know about this? Do you know about this myth? What? There's, I don't remember the name of the guy. Well, Alex got a hot, hot myth. Hot, this is one of my favorite myth. weird Greek fresh myths. Fresh myth. Alex dropping a fresh myth. All right. Myth. I'm going to drop a fresh myth on you guys right now. Uh, the So there's a guy who asks, I think it's Zeus to live forever and Zeus is like no problem you're immortal but he doesn't give the guy eternal youth and so the guy lives forever but he keeps getting wrinklier and wrinklier and smaller and smaller until he turns into a grasshopper and that's why we have grasshoppers and there's like a little bit of a leap of logic like a very tiny tiny leap of logic the the natural like it's not like as I'm getting older I'm like I'm more of a grasshopper than I have (laughs) so like I can't get fully behind that myth but I agree with Eduardo we have a new segment with Alex's fresh myth corner where Alex is going to drop a fresh (laughs) myth that applies let's see what I can do I got a couple of them stored up Ooh, really? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get older. So, yeah, it's like a sort of a, an, an immortality that, it, that keeps me, like, a little bit fresh. Like, sure. I'm fine now. I could okay. do now. So that's like your now number forever. one wish. Should we each do our number one wish so we don't get too bogged down? Uh, Pete, what's Let's your what number you one wish? Uh, oh, jeez. I would say um, I, I would wish for if somebody was hungry, food would appear. If oh, someone just... was hungry? Yeah, anybody. Anybody? Mm-hmm. Food would wow. appear. That's right. Hmm. Wow. That's really nice. That's really nice. Uh, you, I, I, say... you would say like a shorter Wolverine? Like a Wolverine <laughs> oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. That's wish and... two? Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, three. Gosh, I guess I'd say no COVID or something like that. So I guess no my, COVID is your yeah wish? yeah. Well, Dude, I'm saying no. like no COVID for, our, for anybody. Don't yell at him for his wish, you dickhead. You were yeah, we get rid of COVID. So I yeah, I get rid of COVID. Pete would solve him. world hunger, and you'd be like, I want to fucking live forever, <laughs> just me. Get out of here. The whole point of the wish question is to reveal something about yourself, and you guys are dropping. Yeah, our, our, what it reveals about us is we care about the world, and you only care about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever tr- okay, have cool. you ever been hungry and you weren't near a garbage plate? It's awful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, garbage plate. Garbage yeah. plates for everyone. I guess I, I'd wish for no child to ever be sad. Yeah. All right. Why don't we move on? <laughs> well, I was just going to ask. I had a cool hat. I wanted a cool <laughs> hat to walk around with. Always be cool. Uh, I think we just addressed this, but Jonathan McCool says, who do you think won San Diego Comic-Con this year? Lots of good stuff came out. Any favorites? Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I mean, Marvel won, I think. If you want to get more granular than that, I think we can. Uh, yeah, maybe we should uh, maybe we should extendedly talk about the Marvel stuff over in the Week in Geek this week. What do you think about that? Yeah. Do, uh, really... right, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, we've got to talk about it. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I think Marvel is probably the big winner there. I don't really see any other winners. Um, this is another one from Stray Bullet, who gets an extra one because he's not feeling well. 
this evening. When Tom King's Mr. Miracle came out, issue number five, when Barter tells Scott that she is unexpectedly pregnant, it hit home to me because I had literally just found out my wife was pregnant. The what? rest of the series resonates with me in a lot of ways because of it. Have there been books that have resonated with you because something similar was going on in your lives? Good question. Uh, well, great question. When I was going through my uh, first divorce was when Lock and Key split me in half and I kind of very much felt like that guy. Hmm. Interesting. I like that you say first divorce, like you have more coming. Oh, I got more coming, baby. You just wait. <laughs> Lock and load. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Uh, can't wait. Uh, that's a great. You're not answer. living unless you only get one, bro. You got to go fucking hard. Yeah. If I had yeah. uh, a second wish, I guess multiple divorces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and Alex, isn't that selfish? Isn't that a little mm. selfish for you? Not to try to take all the divorces. From. She doesn't greedy. have to deal with me anymore. My God. Exactly. Uh, what were we talking about? Comics that you hit you personally at the time you were reading them. Um, I think um, for me, the there was a Green Lantern annual, Kyle Rayner, um, about him going into a painting. And it was about sort of um, slipping into a story and then... Uh, that was the, the Sinetro uh, core special or whatever it was. Was it? Uh, no, I think it was unrelated to annual. correct him while he's telling the fucking story. Okay. Let him fucking I'll look know. It. I'll look. I, I'm curious, actually, because that the Sinestro core war is the one that makes me cry when I, he... This, I think this was an annual well, where... What part of it was... What so the connection going, is like... Did you find a ring on the floor once? Like, help me here. Yeah, I found a Green Lantern ring, and I can manifest um, objects uh, that come out of my mind. Um, no, the idea of, like, he, he slips into, like, a creative, like, into a painting, and then it's driven by his, like, interest in fandom for mm -hmm. the adventure and uh, and that sort of creative, being that sort of creative engine inside something you love um, has always connected with me. Is this Green Lantern Annual number 6? Might be that. It looks like he goes into a painting in this. Yes. I actually bought an original page from that Ooh. book. Um, the artist was selling them, and I uh, got it during COVID. Um, it's sitting in my, in my home. Uh, this is not a great answer uh, because it came out much later, but like... Uh, I've taught, I'm forgetting the name of it. I have it right over there on the shelf. But there's oh, when Old Man Logan pops his claws, finally. Yeah, yeah, because that was right before that happened. I finally popped my claws. Well, hey, congrats. Uh, no, there's... Mean... <laughs> yeah, what were you going to say? I'm not going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I definitely no, wasn't going to say the same you thing. Know, you know what I was thinking, so I think we're good just from a you and me standpoint, <laughs> and everyone else can imagine what horrifying thing I was about to say. Yeah. Pop my fingernails, right? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Something right. you pop normally. I am completely forgetting the name of the book, but there's this 9-11 graphic novel that hit me very hard. It came out like a year or two after 9-11, and it was just sort of this tone poem of a guy post a 9-11 wandering around the city and it really just brought me directly back to that place of doing exactly the same thing post 9-11 just walking around the city looking at things like trying to memorize buildings and remembering them because they could be gone at any point so uh, not exactly the answer but that definitely hit me very hard in a very specific emotional way 
Uh, we got one more. That's really nice. I'm sorry my child, my child came in right when you were having a sort of a serious 9-11 conversation. With, no, with that's us. fine. It always happens. Yeah, Last one here is from Kevin. What are some of your favorite comics that are about things that should not work in the comic format but somehow do? In honor of Pete's birthday, Alex and Justin must answer in British accents. If Stray can't, <laughs> I want to take the Secret Boy. Punisher quiz. Oh, oh, oh no. All right. Well, I'll bring Kevin in. You guys answer the questions in the meantime. Wait, what was the question? Oh, you got distracted. Um, what are some of your favorite comics that should be that are about things that should not work in the comet format, but somehow do? Oh, the um, uh, Key of Z. Uh, remember that uh, zombie comic that was very musical. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, wow, Pete Deep Pole, I love it. Uh, a lot of times when comics have music, for me, I I, uh, I don't connect, but I thought that was such a great way to use music in a comic that was not only powerful, very poignant. Um, I love, I think Ice Cream Man's a great example of a comic that really pushes and pulls on the format to come up with stuff that I'm always surprised with. And uh, we talk about this all the time, but I feel like Lock and Key... You know, a lot of the horror stuff shouldn't work in a comic book. Jump scares shouldn't work in a comic book. So, yeah, you're right. They uh, shouldn't, but they do. But they do. And here is Kevin to take the Punisher quiz. So take it away, Pete. While you're uh, doing I was that. answering the the uh, question and not pulling up the Punisher quiz. So no, that's fine. I we think got... we left off on the one where nobody wanted to say the uh, back to school special. Yeah, yes. that's exactly right. Wow. Kevin uh, not... knows more about the quiz than you do, Pete. Watch out. I was just pulling it up. I knew which one we left off at. It's just, yeah, nobody wants. So it was question number six. Kevin, welcome. Here we go. Question number seven. This is the last question, and then there's a physical challenge. So hopefully wow. you get the uh, get it done. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> question number seven. According to Wikipedia, which team was the Punisher not affiliated with? Is it A, Secret Defenders, B, Thunderbolts, or C, Midnight Assassins? Mm. I know this answer. According to Wikipedia, which team is the Punisher not affiliated with? A, Secret Defenders, B, Thunderbolts, C, Midnight Assassins? Uh, A birdie is telling me to go with C. Well, that's cheating, I'm asking you, but uh, I How guess... How are you going to yeah, differentiate here? Yeah, I guess... How are you going to differentiate here? All right, so yes, that is correct. C is correct. Wow. All right, so now it is the physical challenge. All right, are you ready? You have exactly one minute to show me something with the Punisher logo on it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and I have just actually no, I do have something, but I don't know if I can get to it in a minute. Let me try. Hurry, got a it's minute. Okay. Oh, no, stop talking to us. Run, run, run. Uh, in the meantime, while we're waiting, we can quick answer a question from YouTube here. Stanley says, "Did Pete watch Riverdale?" Pete, have you watched this week's Riverdale yet? Not yet. No. Oh man. Oh, been, oh boy. Been, you're in. Enough. You're in for a ride, Betty. Betty. Have you ever been so sick you couldn't watch TV? No, I have not. That's, that's never that, happened to me. Honestly, thinking. when I had COVID, watching TV was the only thing I did. Yeah, would you say, oh, wait, Kevin's back. All right. 
Well, I can't get to what I was going to show you because it's buried, unfortunately. Buried? Like a, oh, it's like a skull. Like it's a an actual skull at a grave. Show us, man. You're, you're almost out of time, bro. Show us. Put it on camera. Quick, quick, quick. Kevin. I got nothing else. Wow. Wait. <laughs> I, mean, I, I know what back. I have. I, I have a mess, but I know what's in it. Uh-huh. All right. Oh, man. And I know, unfortunately, the only Punisher thing I have is buried in the closet. I'm nice. sorry, Kev. I'm Just sorry. like the Punisher's family. Oh, hey. hey wow. um, all right. Well, we're going to have to catch up with that again. Thank you, Kevin. We'll check you next time. It's going to be hard to do Good to, to replicate this uh, with um, a new Yeah, person. you might so have to come it... up with another quiz question or something. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, all right. That is it for your audience questions. We're now going to move nice. on to our next section, which is repetitively trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to All right. Uh, today's trivia. Oh, do we have a uh, no, person? No, no. Are we first hand up? Yeah. Whoever wants to say first hand up or me, me, me or anything like that, we will bring them on screen. Maybe we should just bring Kevin back and have him do trivia. Um, all right. We could do that. Yeah. He, oh, he says okay. So there you go. All right. I'm bringing Kevin back in. He could do trivia. And that way he doesn't feel bad about uh, losing, I don't know, a human skull in a closet or whatever's going on there. Yeah, exactly. He needs to pay for a burial, clearly. So let's definitely. Yeah. Give him All $25 right. in Midtown gift cards. Yeah. All so right. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to legend Tony Sirico, a.k.a. Polly Walnuts, R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Tony Sirico. Here we go. Question number one. What is the name of the new Avengers book out in September? Is it A, All In Avengers... B, All Out Avengers, or C, Heather B? So it's either A, which doesn't make sense, or it's B, All Out Avengers. I'm going to go with B. That's right. Don't overthink it. Nice job. All right, here we go. Question number two. Who in the DC world is getting a year one comic out in October? Is it A, Bane? B, the Riddler, or C, Keith David. So it's either A, Bane, don't pick it, or it's B, the Riddler. Ooh, I want to read Riddler year one. Oh, well, you you will, because it's coming out in October. All right, here we go. Someone's getting their wish. Question three, show us a Punisher logo that you have in your home. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Last one. In the world of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what is the next chapter in The Last Ronin? Is it A, Second to Last Ronin, B, The Lost Years, or C, Chris Tucker? So it's either A, which doesn't make sense, or it's B, The Lost Years. I'll go with B, The Lost Years. You are correct, sir. Yes. 25 free dollars yours to Hotel uh. Comics Online. Congratulations, Kevin. What is the secret movie that Pete is indicating with his third answers? A Chris Tucker film. That's right. Well, with Keith David. That's your uh, right and with Tony Sirico. Which has me thinking maybe something like That's Dead a... Presidents. You are correct. The 1995 hit Dead Presidents. You're a machine. Ice guy. cold. 
Kevin's ice cold. All right. Thanks so much, Kevin. Congratulations. And as we all know, new comic books, they're pretty cool. They're coming out. (laughs) Pete, what are you looking forward to? They're fun, these new comic books. Well, I'm looking for A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number 10. I'm Mm, looking for Something is Killing the Children, number 25, as well as Batman, One Dark Night, book three. And that's Night with a K. Uh, Justin, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Great question. Um, I want to shout out, um, I guess... I'm going to go with I Hate This Place, number three, a comic uh, about a haunting of a house. Um, The tone of this comic is very fun. It's sort of funny in the right places, but also truly terrifying all the way through. Let me also just quickly shout out Deadly Class, a book I've loved. I can't believe Pete doesn't love it, but I guess he doesn't because he didn't say it. Deadly Class, number 54. This comic is coming to a close, and this issue feels very personal to the Rick Remender lifestyle. And I got to give it up for Iron Cat number two by Jed McKay, bringing some of that black cat uh, lifestyle um, uh, that I love. Felicia. Uh, While we're giving a bunch of shout outs to stuff, I'll give a shout out uh, to Public Domain number two from Image Comics, Chip Zdarsky's book. The twist at the end of the first issue was that this old comic book team, the artist who previously thought he didn't have any of the rights to basically like a Superman style character, find out he had all the rights and we, that's where we pick up in this issue. So it's almost like a legal thriller set in the comic book world. So I'm very excited to see how that all turns out. Also Superman speech age, number one from DC oh, comics that's yeah, out today, bro. but written by Mark Russell, who we always love and Mike and Laura all read on art absolute favorites. I'll read anything that they do. They're so good. So getting a throwback classic book with that team is very, very exciting. Plus Blink. Yes. uh, And Blink, which I'll plug again in a second, but that is it for this week's show. (laughs) A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Chris Sabella. You can check out Odie Press's Blink, which comes out tomorrow. It's very cool and very spooky. Also, Heart Eyes from Dennis Hopeless from Vault Comics comes out August 17th, so definitely check that out. The art is awesome of that book, and there's some really fun twists. You're in for a good ride. A couple of other things to plug. Next week on the show, Matt Kint is going to be here talking about his projects, Flux House, as well as Mind Management Bootleg. And Dan Panosian, one of our favorites here on the show, is also going to be on the show talking about all of his projects, like his picture of Pete that he drew. A couple of other things to plug. Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast. Almost done with this season. It has been a wild ride. Pete's going to get caught up, I promise. Also, The Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast, every Thursday with new episodes. Or you can get them all at patreon.com slash comic book club right now. Subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter. Comic Book Club Live on Instagram. ComicBookClubLive.com. There it is. This podcast <laughs> and many more. Until next time, good night. Yes. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. 
by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.